Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. I love racing and I am very much looking forward to this weekend. Particularly Dubai, which we're previewing exclusively. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. I don't think we're even mentioning the Dubai World Cup uh, with all due with all due respect. But the Lincoln is a puzzle that I'm very, very interested in solving. However... There is some good jumps racing on on Saturday as well. And it's hard to believe that this time last week, as we record on Thursday, we were cheering on Flooring Porter winning the stairs hurdle. It's bonkers how time flies, but it does indeed. And the legend of the final Furlong podcast alongside me, Amos Kennedy, is here to assess the weekend, which he describes in his own words as a tough weekend. Mr. Roy Delargy. Hello there. Welcome. Oh, now there's an enthusiastic Rory. Maybe he was playing us in pre-production. Maybe he's got all the winners lined up. Uh, and a man making his debut on the show. And a well-earned debut for that matter as well. I did a Cheltenham Festival preview with him in the build-up to the greatest show on turf. Uh, he has written from multiple publications. He's been involved in some big broadcasts. And uh, basically, he crushes when it comes to betting. Andrew Blair White, welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast. Thanks very much, Emmett. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, real honour. So hopefully, we'll, you, you have slightly thrown me under with, with this first weekend of action, I must confess. But uh, hopefully, we'll find a winner or two somewhere. <laughs> I think, given the work you've already done, I, I think there's a winner or five, perhaps not to build you up too much, uh, that you've got for us. Um, I'm going to ease everybody in, not just Andrew, not just Rory, but all of us, because it was Cheltenham last week. So we'll start with the jumps, shall we? And Newbury's got a decent jumps card. Uh, 250 is the bet fixture novices handicap hurdle. Good ball is favorite for Paul Nichols, just about ahead of Hudson de Grugy, or Grugy for Gary and Joshua Moore. Hooper, for Nicky Henderson and Nico de Boinville, who's got uh, back into the winning, winner's enclosure after a seconditis on his three previous starts. And speaking of the winner's enclosure, Mount Windsor can't seem to stop winning these days. Rory, let's begin with you, shall we? Uh, 250 Newbury, over two miles and three. It's good ground. So that's important. It's this time of year. We get good ground now for jump sources. Um, what's your thoughts on the race? Uh, it's uh, it's much like the rest of the weekend's action. Um, your obvious starting point is good ball of um, of Paul Nichols's, um, who's the least exposed uh, of these. Um, just the two starts for the yard, having been a second in a uh, newcomers race in France um, at Otoy in October, and he's run to a decent level. Um, on both of those, both of them in Newbury, both on good to soft ground. Um, being a son of Dr. Dino um, out of Barthia Mare, I think he'll he'll, um, he'll appreciate good ground as well. He was maybe a wee bit disappointing off the bridle last time when he travelled best uh, in a race won by by um, Gowell Road. Um, and I like the winner, although he has a habit of, of leaning quite badly to his left. Um, Gal Road. Um, that looked like it was going to present some um, good ball with um, with the race um, here last time. Um, but Gal Road, despite um, giving the impression he might he might um, miss a hurdle to the left 
up the straight, uh, rallied well to win that, as he had done in his previous start, in fairness, as well. Um, that was um, a better hurdle day. I thought there was a, um, for most of the race, that was a good performance from good ball, just a little bit um, worried about, about his um, his response to, to pressure late on. Um, but he was meeting a horse with a bit more experience than him and an older horse as well. And I'd probably forgive him that, uh, given that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was a, it was a, a good performance. Uh, and um, he is probably the one to beat here, given that there's, there's going to be improvement, there should be improvement to come from him. Uh, and that is the question, really. Um, he's worn a tongue tie in his last couple of stars. Didn't wear one on debut for, for Paul Nichols. He wore a hood. Um, but wore a tongue tie last time. Where's that again today? That maybe asks questions about um, whether he's got a little, potentially got a little breathing issue there, and that might be why um, he didn't find as much as you thought he might off the bridle. Uh, um, the other one I quite like in the race is One True King. Um, he's um, he was disappointing at Kempton on his penultimate start, but I, I, you can draw a line through that. That was the um, the Lanzarote. Um, where you you had to basically come late and wide um, to to contend there. If you watch that, the the Lanzarote by everything that raced prominently towards the inside of the track was well beaten, um, including the favourite for the race. Actually, he was he was favourite for the race, including the the, um, the the two or three at the head of the market, um, and he was back to form at Ascot last time out. And he would have gone closer, but for stumbling badly after the second last. Now, he's he's run well on heavy ground. Um, strictly speaking, say his best performance came on heavy ground at Leicester in December. But I've I've watched him a few times, and I'm convinced he wants good ground. Um, so he is a potential improver for that. He will go from the front as well. Um, that sh- and, and on this sort of ground and in a small field, that should be a positive to him. I'd, I'd much rather have him than, than Mike Windsor. Um, who was um, running off a mark of 105 um, back in, in November and has been winning at the likes of um, Lingfield and Fakenham. Um, so this is a big a big question from Mike Windsor, who has been impressive, is clearly progressive, but has been taking on much weaker opposition and now he's carrying top weight in a race like this. Whereas One True King has been running in very very competitive handicaps all year. He's running in handicaps at Cheltenham uh, in, a, in the showcase meeting and the open meeting as well. Um, so he's been mixing those decent horses all season. I still think he's fairly handicapped at one three one. Uh, we don't have betting for this at the moment, do we? And, oh, we do. Um, oh, we, we do. do. Okay. Yeah. What do you What are you What are you looking for, my man? Well, you- I'd, I'd be interested in, the, in the, the difference, the prices of one true king and good ball. Um, well, it's significant. Yes, I thought it would be. Good ball is nine to four. Yeah. Eleven to four is the best you'll do. One true king, the best you can get is 15 to 2. Uh, yeah, that's that's tempting. It's tempting. I mean, you know, I, I don't think 11 or 4 good balls is a terrible price, to be honest. But thank you for giving me the worst price first. Uh, no problem. To expect. Uh, I, I can see good ball going off 6 to 4 for this. And I'm not I'm not sure I'd be mad keen to back him at six to four, but um I wouldn't I wouldn't put anyone off at the current price. I think as I said, he's unexposed. He's got pretensions to being better than this. Um, which most of them don't really. Uh, most of them have found their level. But at 15 to 2, I might be inclined to take a chance on one true king there. There's also, a, there's also a juvenile handicap at Ascot next weekend, which Good Ball and Hudson Degrugi could both have gone for. Now, I thought they were going to be pulled from declarations, but they're both here. Well, they could do, they could do both. Mm, I suppose, yeah. 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 Fair point. Fair point. Uh, this stage of the season, you know, it's, it's a lot easier backing up on good ground over two miles than it is, um, um, you know, doing it in, in winter ground over further. Uh, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh, but we will. But in fairness, you know, I, I would be an advocate of um, of the the one in the hand being better than the two in the bush. Um, if you've got you've got your conditions now, why wait another week and um, um, and end up with uh, with conditions going against you? So I think this is probably. Uh, given, it's, given it's not um, for a class two event, it's only worth ten grand as well. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, years, that's... You know, we're, we're getting back into the into the, the issues that are that are plaguing British racing. Um, but um, and we've got a card. I know we're not discussing it. We've got a card at Musselburgh tomorrow, which has got a load of, of uh, theoretical class twos on the card. It's the um, it's the Challenger Series final um, there, which used to be televised. 
Um, and now you've got you've got a, a number of class two races there in which only one or two horses are rated above 110. Um, and that's a that's a damning indictment of that series. Well, for all the, the for all the the questions that, and to be fair to the Racing Post, their their coverage of the Irish domination at Cheltenham, Quantalarky, uh, was very fair, and then it started to slightly pivot just a little bit, just a little bit, just with a few contributors, but um, the Remain men in Ireland having none of it. BHA to blame for festival mauling as it oversees a shocking race to the bottom. Go on, Richie Forrestal. And I highly recommend if you've got a subscription to the Racing Boast or if you buy it, uh, that you read that. It's it's well worth reading, but Jesus, that prize money is depressing. Anyway, go on, Rory. I, I, I pretty much run myself into uh, into a standstill there with that, with that argument. Um, so getting back to the, uh, to the Newbury race, um, uh, I just favour the uh, uh, the Twist and Davis runner there, one through King. Okay, Enterprise. Uh, I've been burned. I've been burned not once. Uh, well, no, only the once by one true king. So I'm not entirely certain if I want to go in again. And I've been kind of taken with a horse that I talked to Fergal O'Brien about earlier in the season, Manila Taro. Manila Taro. I can use my mouth words, you know. That's one. Uh, Manila Tara who was uh, a winner last time out and is 14 to 1. But Andrew Blair White, where should we be putting our sterling slash euro on this race? And are you in agreement with Mr. Delargy? Yeah, well, I would be in terms of, I think, good balls, the the right favourite in here and, and brings probably the, the best form to the table. I know Gal Rowe probably disappointed a few people, including myself, uh, with his run in the county hurdle, but he's probably still a pretty raw horse. Um, it'll be better in time. I'd be pretty keen to take on Hudson de Grugy in this. I'd just be wary the last two times he's won at Sandown. It's been fairly bottomless. He's kind of gotten freebies out in front and his jumping leaves a fair bit to be desired. I think in a more competitive race on better ground, that could well be found out. I think there's a couple in here that aren't brilliantly handicapped, I must confess. Um, as Rory was saying, I think a few of them have kind of reached their limit. Um, and just going down, just thought it probably wouldn't be the worst thing, especially if this uh, sticks to the even eight. Uh, there probably wouldn't be worse things than having an each-way play on Press Your Luck, uh, who's actually the outsider of the eight. Um, for Chris Gordon and Tom Cannon. You just look at his form earlier in the season. He won at uh, Newton Abbott and he won at Utoxter. Now, I know they weren't maybe some of the world's greatest races, but he beat a Tizard horse called Striking a Pose at Newton Abbott, who's gone on to win a couple of times this year. He then was pulled up in, in the My Drogo race at Ascot, uh, but that was a good race, like especially in the context of this. Uh, it was My, My Drogo, Clandinabo, that. Lad, uh, Soaring Glory obviously went on to win the Betfair Hurdle. Uh, so there was no kind of disgrace really in maybe not being up at that level. Uh, then he returned in a jumper's bumper. And I, I understand that the reasoning behind the jumper's bumper, but, um, you know, like the, there's no real case to be made in terms of form there. So I'd look over that. And then he ran at Kempton last week and I was brought down when still in with a chance at three out in an office hurdle. I, I think he would have gone very close there. He's probably just one. I don't feel he should be the price he is um, in in terms of this race. I think there shouldn't be as much of a discrepancy between himself and the other Chris Gordon runner, uh, who's much shorter and is carrying a big lump of weight off a mark of 140. Uh, Tom Cannon, who'd be kind of the one you'd think who would have had the, the, the choice between the two, does go for press your luck. So, uh, I, I think he'd be interesting, and especially if if it does stick to the even eight, uh, I think there would be worse things to do than, than potentially having an each-way play on him. Uh, just as I wouldn't be massively in favour of, of, of probably putting the hard earns on, on some of those at the top of the market. Andrew Blair White coming in. Ha! On debut with the first race. I love it. The 3.25 is the uh, bet victor... National Hunt, Novices Mare's Hurdle. Uh, it's a great two, Rory. And the, the, yeah, I better make sure that it's the best prices. So Colin Tizard uh, has the favourite, which is pretty understandable. Uh, it's Rose of Arcadia. 
for Chivley Park uh, with John Joniel Jr. booked. Harry Fry, don't know who's going to ride this horse. Um, I presume, well, let's not presume. Presumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Um, that horse is 11 to 2. Little River Boy, 15 to 2. Uh, Kill Millington Rose for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden, 8 to 1. And uh, Buttsbury Lady, Nikki Henderson and Tom Cannon, uh, nines. Rory, uh, Nikki's got two, by the way. Uh, Nico choosing to ride. Lily Peddler, uh, who was second last time out, is also nines. Um, and the market has kind of been a little bit up and down on, on both of those. Um, Colin Tissard, Rory, said before, we talked a lot about him. It's been a disappointing season for him. But in our championship review of Cheltenham and you can listen to the novices review now as well uh, both of them are up they're both available on whichever podcast app you choose to use uh, I believe you had 10 runners at Cheltenham four were placed and he had the best of the rest with Native River because the rest were thumped by the front three in the Gold Cup um, so in in retrospect to be fair to him, it it was not a bad return at all uh, at Cheltenham for a man who is going to bow out at the end of the season and hand the reins over, pardon the pun, uh, to his son, Joe, who I'm sure will do a, a fantastic job. So can Rose of Arcadia get Colin Tizard back into the winner's enclosure? It is a, um, it's a possibility in a very open race. Um Again, this is this is always a, a, a tough race because you've got um, you've got a bunch of unexposed um, mares, many of them chasing types as well, and it's never the easiest um, handicap to unpick. Uh, the market market ends up being a reasonable guide over the years, although there's it's often been a, um, a late move um, for horses in this. The one that I like, um, um, the one that I like most in the race is. Um, is Misty Whiskey who doesn't have a jockey on board at the moment mm. um, and I'm not I'm a wee bit disappointed she was um, she was favourite for this to be perfectly honest um, because you know it's going to be good ground most of her form's on heavy um, and I wonder whether people might um, might look at that and, and think that so they want to be against her on the uh, on a different surface but I think she'll be absolutely fine on it um, she was she arguably ran um uh, the race of her life when she was runner up at Kempton on, on grind that was not far off good um, two starts ago. So I don't think she needs the um, she needs the mud at all. She was um, she was second in that the, the Lanzarote we talked about uh, behind Boren Bill. And Boren Bill was a massive price that day, and you can you can uh, read form um, a couple of ways. But off um, off the front. Four or five there. She was the one who who um, um who probably sat closest to the pace. Um, and I thought she did really well to finish second. I thought it was a really solid effort. Because uh, uh, Boar and Bill, Hunter's Call, Amor Denui, who were all around her in the frame, they all uh, tracked wide in the straight. And I think that, you know, as we saw through the day, that was definitely an advantage. Um, she obviously, you know, she, she didn't fall into the trap of, of, of racing right on the uh, on the pace. And right on the rail, but she wasn't far off it, and I think she was a little bit better than the bare result um, compared to the others around her. Um, in saying that, you know, you, you can you can view the, the Lanzarote as, as slightly dubious form, the way that it's it sort of broke into two races, mm. um, and the um, the other three, Bore and Bill, Hunters Call, and Wood and We did not run close to that form um, on their next starts. Um, on the other hand, Misty Whiskey has run very well since. Um, she was uh, third in a, in a grid two, uh, a good grid two at Sandown last time out as well, um, behind anything for love and, and Sam. I said, good to a grid two, um, must be. Uh, as grid two's go, it's about as weak as you can get. Uh, a, uh, a, mare's, a mare's only grid two with a small field. Um, but I thought she, um, I thought she did okay to finish third. Though. She was, she was, she was disappointing on paper. She was beaten by horses at, at bigger prices. Um, the um, uh, the favourite um, who reposes was disappointing, uh, but she didn't. I don't. I didn't think she jumped well out of the ground that day. Um, she did make a, a few little mistakes, 
Um, she clearly handles the heavy ground, but I think fundamentally she she just she's about stamina. Um, and she was dropping back in trip there, and she plugged on late, um, having not jumped particularly well. I think she'll jump better out of good ground, and that's the impression I've got from her um, of, of her races so far. She can be a little bit scrappy, um, but she finds plenty for pressure. I think she will be at least as good on the surface as she is on heavy, uh, and that makes her that makes her interesting here. Unfortunately, um, you know, the, so I only see one firm price tag at the moment, um, but she's she's been put in as favourite, which kind of you can probably make an argument for for two or three to, to head the market here, but uh, as I said, I like her. I think she'll I think she'll progress again. Um, her um, her form and bumpers um, going back was was uh, was decent. Um, she's not been asked too many questions um, thus far, and I think um, I think um, for all she's clearly been hard to train until this season. She's stood up to the rigors of um, of racing this year fairly well. Although it's not been a, a good season for Harry Fry, um, she's done nothing wrong in the middle of it, and I think she's ready to bloom. Uh, I like it. Pardon the pun. The nine to two about Misty Whiskey, you can definitely see that drifting, uh, particularly with Rosa Arcadia given Chiefly Park and Colin Tizard seemingly coming back into form. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility at all. That um, that she will end up drifting on the day. So, what kind of a price would you be looking for, Rory? I'd hope to get at least six to one, but I'm not sure whether we get that or not. I don't know. So we'll um, we'll see. But you know, she she definitely has the form that she's shown um, to date is definitely up there um, with the best on offer. Mm. Um, so she does deserve to be shot. But I th- you know, she's had a fair bit of racing. Uh, she's a seven year old now. There's one or two from from um, big yards. They're lightly raced at home to improve the likes of Kilmington Rose and Rose of Arcadia. So I'd hope one of those two would be punted uh, and you might get a little bit of uh, value on, on Misty Whiskey 11 to 2 or 6 to 1 would be, would be nice um, given how competitive the race looks. But, uh, and so obviously um, we'll see who Harry Fry sticks on. I'm, I'm slightly confused as to why there's been no jockey up at the moment. I keep hitting refresh. It is truly bizarre that no jockey has been booked for all... Oh! I know why, because it literally just happened. Lorcan Murta claims three yeah. and was on board last time. At one thirty-five, the jockey declaration finally came through. Let's find out who Andrew likes in the race. Most of these horses have been running on heavy ground. Some of them ha- do have good ground form, to be fair. I'm quite sweet on Colin Tizard's horse. Who are you with, though? Yeah, I'd echo what you say there about, about Tizard's horse. Um, and I think she'll come in for quite a lot of support. You just look at her, her win at Wing Canton the, the last day. I think at the time people were a little bit perhaps disappointed. I think after she won her bumper at Taunton last year, I think people thought she'd make up into being a, a potentially a grade one a novice hurdle mare this year, but it hasn't quite worked out like that. Uh, but she beat Fable and Nikki Henderson's, who's won twice since, including mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Farn has won since. Would you be Wells come second since? So the, the form of that, as much at the time you thought, oh, she's only won by a neck. Um, that looks pretty good. The only thing I'm just slightly concerned by is the ground with her, um, just in terms of that she was obviously a, a three-mile point-to-point winner at Tattersalls on soft ground. That day at Wincanton was heavy. Uh, you're now a, a furlong less on better ground. I'm not sure whether, she, you know, potentially she might just be found out for a little bit of pace. I know she's been quite free in the past, but I do think all this mare does is stay. I'd, I'd probably be willing to, to take on those horses that ran in that Sandown race the last day. They were crawling over the line. I thought an awful lot of them had very tough races, uh, including the, the Little River Bay went all very short for that race and was pulled up. I couldn't be having her whatsoever. Uh, I can see. I can see the point with Misty Whiskey. I just just thought she she's had a fairly hard season at this point. That Sandown run did seem to take an awful lot out of those. Uh, one that maybe is lurking at a better price, just uh, on on the ground, is uh, Alpha Caranay of Ollie Murphy's. If you're talking about Tizard's horses turning the corner, Ollie Murphy's most certainly have another uh, trainer that's had a, quite a quiet season. But as a result, has a few decent enough horses on, on decent handicap marks. And this mare won back in uh, September time, actually, on, on better ground. She then went to market raising and came second. 
she was then behind the glancing queen. She had a couple of months off. She doesn't really like soft ground and reappeared at Doncaster a few weeks ago in a three-mile race. I thought she shaped very well that day, I must say. Uh, she she travelled into the race pretty nicely, maybe didn't quite get home, and it was her first run in three or four months. I just think she's overpriced in, in the current market here, uh, just in terms of the, that she might appreciate the better ground more than some of these at the top of the market. Uh, if I was to go for one near the top, it would be the Tizard horse. I'd take a chance on Rose of Arcadia being a bit better uh, than she's already shown, and the form of the last day is working out, but Alpha Carané for, for each way punters, I certainly couldn't put off, especially with Ollie Murphy's horses in the form uh, they're in. I think uh, I think he had a treble the, yesterday at, at market raise and with a few nice types. Uh, this mare has ability and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if she was to outrun her odds. I absolutely love it. Another big price selection from Andrew. More from both Andrew and Rory in a second but first the Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets and that slick new app which of course we all saw at the Cheltenham Festival just last week. It still sounds strange saying last week. If you can't access the app in Ireland by the way just go to tote.co.uk on your browser, on your smartphone or tablet Trust me, it's just as good as the app. I highly recommend it. Also, with the new tote guarantee, you will never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you're going to get the bigger price anyway. It's never been easier to place your favorite bets online with that app and with the website, including PlacePot, Scoop6, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing to say nothing of exactas, trifectas, and other bets, which I absolutely love. Importantly, when you bet with the Tote, your money is going back into supporting the sport that we all love at a time when the industry has never needed it more. And of course, because the Tote aren't a bookie, they'll never close down winning accounts or stop you from having a big bet. So what are you waiting for? If you haven't got your account, join Toad today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Winners are more than welcome. You are more than welcome. Terms and conditions apply. There is plenty more Jumps Racing to come. There's Fairy House. There's Aintree. There's Punchestown. But this weekend, The Flat. It's here. Oh, the wait is over. And you can hear, you can hear the reaction from Andrew and Rory. They can't wait. They can't wait to get stuck in. I sure can't wait a little longer. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we don't mean it flat. Hey, we love the flat. We love the flat. We had a great flat season last year. But we'll start with the the two o'clock. Unibet Doncaster Mile Stakes. It's a listed race over a mile. The current betting, so bounce the blues four to one along with Mothatham. Correct my pronunciation there, Rory? Montatham. Montatham, that's fine. Uh, who would <laughs> who would be a very poignant winner for the late great Hamdam Al Maktoum. That's two powerhouses now we've now lost in racing, and I do hope their legacy can be continued. We know that the Chilmont legacy is going to be continued. I hope that Shadow Stud and Hamdan Amalekhtoum's legacy is going to be continued because it doesn't just stretch back a few years. It stretches back decades. Any of his horses that win over the weekend will be a poignant winner, and I'm sure that ITV and, uh, for that matter, Sky will cover it very, very well. But James Doyle is on board for William Haggis, Space Traveller. For Richard Fahey and Kieran Schirmach, about 11 to 2. Roger Varian's got a sick record in this race. Father of Jazz, for sevens. Yeah, we can keep on going on all that. We'll, we'll mention B. Levant, uh, 16s. Roy DeLarge, uh, 2 o'clock Doncaster, over the straight mile. Come on, get us off to the flat season with a winning start. Your thoughts? I'm going to nail my colours to the mass of um, B. Levant here. He's not particularly well suited to all-weather racing. But is fit after a, a few spins. I think that'll make a um, that'll make a big difference to him. Um, he's the issue with Beat Lebon these days is he can be quite slowly away. He might have won in different circumstances. In the Sovereign Six at Salisbury last year, he lost a load of ground coming out of the stalls. Uh, virtually sat in the stalls, ran into regal reality at the top of his form, uh, which is not always easy to find. Regal reality. Of, uh, a rather moody character. Um, but he did well to finish to finish best of the rest that day. 
um, you know, with the likes of, of Mossa Kai or Maurice Diamond, accidental agent, all behind him. Um, and you know, he was he was tailed off last after after a furlong, um, but ran really well to be second. That's what he's capable of. Uh, he's a, an impressive winner at um, at Glorious Goodwood uh, the year before that. Reasonably lightly raced in recent times, but Richard Hannon's always had a very, very high opinion of Pete Lebon. But as you can see from from watching his races, his issue is that you know he can he can blow it at the start. Um, but he's been beaten only around two lengths in his last couple of starts um, in handicaps over seven furlongs at, at Newcastle and Lingfield, um, and he is well up to winning um, at this level. Uh, the return to a mile is a is a benefit to him as well. Um, I thought he would. I thought he was a very big price at 16. Doncaster is one of those tracks where um, it's not always a massive problem um, getting a little bit behind. You know, so the tracks gradually rising. Um, it's more of a concern that horses horses can go for home too early there, um, and we often have them running into a into a wind at this meeting as well. So it doesn't it doesn't hurt to get a bit of cover. Um, the the issue obviously with him is he can't afford to get too far behind. Um, and then he needs to make sure that, that there's a route, to, route through for him. So you don't want a scenario where they, they all decide that the best of the ground is on the rail um, and there, there to be a wall of horses in front of him. But that's rarely the case at Doncaster. Um, and I'd be, I'd be reasonably confident of him finding his way out at some stage in the race. And, and in terms of pure talent, um, I don't think he should be as big as, as, um, as 16s. Um, Montethan's an obvious, I mean, I guess Montethan's going to be favourite for the, for the race. Uh, based on what he did last season. Uh, his only moderate run was in the Cambridgeshire where he was badly drawn. You can pretty much draw a line through that. Um, otherwise, he was um, uh, he was very solid. But, you know, he was uh, he, he was of a, a similar standard to um, uh, to, to beat LeBron last season. Um, there's a fair bit between them in terms of price. Obviously, you know, all eyes will be on him. William Haggis tends to start the season well. Um, people will be looking for a, a winner in the in the Sheikh Hamdan colours as well. So, He's an obvious contender, uh, Montathan, but he's he's going to be well found in the market. Um, I like Top Rank as a as a horse to be with this season, but mm-hmm. um, I do think he will want. Um, although he's got form on, on a quick grind, I think he'll want soft grind this season to show his form. He, uh, his best effort last season uh, came on on soft and has been ultimate start at, at Hayden in the Superior Mile. is very impressive there. Um, but he didn't run well on, on good ground um, in the Joel Sticks in his final start. And he is a big, um, heavy top horse who either needs... Um, uh, this track probably will play to a strength. It'll suit him a lot better than Newmarket, um, despite the fact that he has one at Newmarket. You know, he's, he's a horse who doesn't want to be um, uh, thrown at undulations given his, given his, uh, his size. Um, Doncaster will suit him. They have to find the sort of, you know, you've got that gradual climb as a positive for horse with his kind of physique. But I do think he's going to want um, softer ground to show his, his very best form this season. And I think he is capable of improving again. Um, but whether it's going to be first time out here, I don't know. But he's one I want to mention because I think he's, he's worth keeping on side this year. Yeah, I'd very much be keen to mention him as well. But with a view to later, he does have a five pound penalty to give away to this field. Um, as well, which is worth mentioning. And Beat Lebon, to be fair, was carrying top weight and handicaps last time out in the all weather. So, um, so far, I'm with you. Let's hear what Andrew has to say. Your opening flat race to talk about in the final Fulham podcast, Andrew. Yeah, great, great honor to be talking about this race. It's my first one. Um, <laughs> I would have said I'd be willing to take on some at the top of the market here. Uh, I know Montatham was, was very progressive last year. He still has to prove, though, that he's, you know, you know, he ha- has been doing an awful lot of that in handicap company. I know he was second in a listed race, but for me, he still has to prove he, he's up to this ability against some of these horses. Uh, I think Bounce the Blues, you could make a similar argument to top rank that he'd to be seen, or to, for her to be seen to her best, she'd want maybe a little bit more cut on the ground. That certainly seemed the case when she was trained by Johnny Feen uh, over here. Uh, the one I'm going to take a chance on, and it takes a bit of a leap of faith because we haven't seen him much recently, is, is Space Traveller. Um, just because I do believe he is probably the best horse in this race. 
and he comes out decent enough at the weights uh, considering his rating. He only ran once last year, only beaten four lengths by Circus Maximus in the <laughs> Queen Anne. Circus uh, Maximus, was, you say? What baseball cap am I currently wearing? I have no idea. Circus Maximus, obviously, man. Come on. Ah, that's the one. Sorry. That was a bit slow for me. I apologize. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be, be at Leopardstown when he won the Boomerang Mile a couple of years ago. Um, he was very impressive that day. He's won a jersey stakes before as well. So he has kind of, I believe that he has a bit more back class than, than some of these, perhaps. Uh, as I say, you are taking a bit of a leap of faith in terms of he's been very lightly raced since. There's obviously been a couple of issues. But the fact that they're pursuing with him uh, as a five-year-old would indicate they still feel there are races to be won with him. And I think at the prices, I, I'd be willing to take a chance on him. I was I was very close to, to siding with Juan Elcano, who was similarly frustrating. Uh, ran a very good race in the Guineas good last God. year. That that being said, you you know they were it suited being handy in the Guineas with, with that tailwind they had at Newmarket last year, and he was a little bit disappointing after that. So uh, I ended up steering away from him. But I think Space Traveller potentially could run a, a good race. He, he doesn't have to carry any penalties because of. Um, because he's been out for a while, I think he's, he's he's got a decent chance. If he can return to anything like his best form, he should be bang there at the finish. There's a question mark over that three-year-old crop as well, um, which remains to be answered. But Juan Alcano has had the meat and two veg chopped off. Um, whereas your selection, Space Travelers 5, could still have a career at start. Maybe. So... Um, well, that's why that's why I'm interested why they're why they're pursuing mm. um, because he could obviously go to study. He's a group two winner. Um, there's, there's an awful lot to, to suggest he could already have gone, but uh, the fact that they're still pursuing and he hasn't been gelded, I thought was quite interesting. They must think there's still races to be won. Potentially, potentially, my friend. The two thirty five is the Spring Mile handicap uh, class two, Rory. And uh, this this is wide open. So we've got Arctic Vega and acquitted towards the top of the betting, 7-1, to 15-2. Uh, Artistic Rifles uh, on his second start for Edward, Edward Bethel with Andrea Edsini on board, 17-2. to two. Uh, Mascat for Rafe Backett is 10s and Poet's Lady, 10 to 1, we'd be here all day. This is a big, big field. Uh, Rory, have you managed to crack it, though? I'm sure you have. Mm, not really. Uh-oh. Uh, this, is the, this is the consolation for the... Andrew, have you managed to crack it? <laughs> Absolutely not. So, uh, okay. better off. Rory, keep going. Keep going, Rory. Keep going, Rory. I'd... Um, yeah, Andy, you can, you can give a chance to, to Tom's on this. Don't know what the draw is going to do. Um, don't know exactly how the race is going to be run. Lots and lots of uh, of, of questions um, about it, um, and it's not one to approach with a massive uh, degree of of, um, of confidence as a result. But um, I'll take a chance on Mostawa, um, who's um, who's drawn roughly in the middle and is one of the pace angles in the race. Sylvester D'Souza has a very good jockey booking for um, for Heather Main. Um, he was progressive through last season. Um, hardly ever failed to give his running on turf. Um, effective from a mile to a mile and a quarter. Uh, also effective in the all weather as well. Um, I think he'd improve again this season, Mostawa. You know, he's got he's a he's a big horse. He's got a bit of scope, and obviously he um, uh, he's he's as high as um, uh, as he's, he's ever been of a mark of, of eighty eight. Um, but I think there might be more to come from him, um, given the, the you know the pattern of his form. The fact is, it wasn't like you know he suddenly took off and won, won three or four handicaps in the trots and um, went up two stone in the weights. He ran well, uh, pretty much all season from the from the get go. Um, he's a winner on firm grounds. He handles it soft, um, and you know he he went up a total of of nine pounds um, from the. Um, from the start of the season, or actually, if you if you want to go right back to his first run, his first run was an auto mark of eighty last season, and he he's you know he's gone up to eighty eight after winning at Kempton in December, um, and that was you know that was his best ever effort, his final start last season after a really busy year, and that suggests to me that um, 
is going to progress again. He he, um, um, he only had a a couple of runs as a as a juvenile. It didn't start his his second season um, until uh, almost the autumn. Um, didn't manage to win then, uh, and then just um, uh, gradually got himself back on track last season. Um, strictly speaking, you know the form that he showed as a as a juvenile. He's, he's only three points higher than his initial handicap mark. Um, so I think you know he's got a he's got a very good profile for this. I think one of the problems historically you have looking at these early flat handicaps is you tend to be drawn to horses who've been successful the previous season. I always find it's quite hard to, um, uh, it, you know, specifically looking pre all weather, um, expecting horses with a, a number of, of wins to the name um, on turf one year and, and then um, expecting them to carry on with that level of form the following season is um, is asking a lot. Um, but a horse who's who's um, shown gradual improvement, as Mostawa has, is more likely, I think, to uh, to continue that into uh, um, into his next year. And as I said, because his his three year old campaign was campaign was a pretty short one, um, and he's then been been um, heavily campaigned last season um, and improved pretty much throughout it. Um, not, you know, not according to the handicapper to massive amounts, but you know, just look at his, look at the standard of his runs all the way through the season. I think it's, I think it's very likable on the whole, but it doesn't leave him um, impossible to place this season. And the fact that um, Heather May and books Sylvester de Sousa things a big, a big plus, mostly ridden by claiming riders last year. Mm. Um, Martin Dwyer rode him in his final start. As I said, that was probably a career best in winning at Kempton. And uh, D'Souza on a front runner at, at Doncaster strikes me as being a very positive rookie. There can't be any better, really, with the exception of Frankie Dettori. So, Mastawa, Tron Stall 14, number nine for Rory. Uh, Andrew, for you. Yeah, well, in a, in a weekend of, of very tough racing, I found this the, the biggest head scratcher of the lot, to be honest. Uh, I've ended up coming down on one near enough the top of the market in acquitted for Hugo Palmer. I'm just going to give him a chance. He's another one that's had the, the gelding operation since last year. I don't know whether it's just uh, something the, the eyes deceive you, but I I remember this horse having Palace Pier well and truly off the bride up at Newcastle. And now I know Palace Pier was probably around 60% fit that day, but it still always uh, remains in my memory. He then went to, to Royal Ascot, um, where it was terrible ground. He ended up all, all but being pulled up and when he was quite well fancied. He was then down the field again in the uh, the challenge at, at Sandown that Montatham won. Uh, he, he's been off since as I say again it's a, a little bit of a leap of faith but this horse has ability he's been dropped down a couple of pounds to a mark of 91 he's now been gelded uh, he's a four year old and he showed promising form in, in his two year old campaign and as I say in that debut effort as a three year old show you would have thought based off those performances that he'd have been better than a mark of 91 uh, he'd have been quite close, obviously, to getting into the Lincoln as a result, uh, but he carries near enough top weight here. Uh, but I think he's got a got a chance. But uh, as I'd say, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be my strongest selection of the weekend. That's for sure. It's really odd for a horse to get that close to Palace Pier and be that short a price in a seven runner race when Palace Pier was so highly regarded to then completely and utterly bomb on his next two starts. So no surprises that he's had the the operation. Um, it's your own fault, acquitted. It's your own fault. But yeah, I can see why you want to be with him and James Doyle on board as well. Which I brings- think also that, that, that ask, sorry, just before, just uh, yeah. on to that, that Ascot race that he was pulled up in, an awful lot of the well-fancied horses ran very poorly in that race. I think that the ground was soft, was advertised as soft, but we rode a lot uh, slower. I was quite a big fan of, of John Gosselin Horsco hypothetical last year, who now I see has kind of found his niche running in Group 1 dirt races, but he was out uh, picking grass with a quitted out the back of that race. So it just shows that potentially uh, he, he might be a bit better than that there form would suggest. That's not, a, that's not a bad shout either, by the way. That's not a bad shout either. And... Um isn't uh, isn't hypothetical running in the Dubai World Cup this weekend? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest about it, for all that we joke about it, 
I do, and I will be watching the Dubai World Cup. It's just that we talked about it in pre-production, and the lads didn't really want to have a have a in-depth chat about the Dubai World Cup. Um, it was enough to get. I think, I think he is running. Yes, but yeah. um, I, I'll be watching him. I, I won't be watching much of the rest because I, I, I do quite like him. But uh, no, it wouldn't be my overall cup of tea. I'll be watching Doncaster before it. Don't forget, moguls in action in Medan. Just before we talk about the big race of the weekend, well, depending on if you're a flat fan or a jumps fan, if you're just a racing fan like me, it's the big race of the weekend. All due respect to the Dubai World Cup, which I will be watching. And yes, of course, that is a massive, massive event. The Final Forlum podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast, now under new management. Oh, thankfully. And looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and that slick new app. Again, tote.co.uk is the same as tote.ie. It's never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the PlaySpot and the Scoop 6, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. If you haven't got your account yet, join Tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Terms and conditions apply. Terms and conditions don't apply, however, to the Final Furlan podcast, finding the winner of the Lincolns. Let's see if we can do it. This brings us to the feature race of the weekend, depending on if you're a jumps or a flat fan. Sorry, I love to try and crack every single year. Uh, The Lincoln, obviously a big field, Rory. You mentioned the draw earlier on, and not to really concern yourself too much with that. Well, it's you know we're, you'd be guessing with uh, with what it's going to do at the moment. I know that there will be some who will look back down through recent winners and see high, 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 but then low, low, middle. Like you are completely guessing with with that. Yeah, and it, it rather depends on the uh, on the ground as well. Um, the suggestion is that, um, that there's not an awful lot of. Um, Grass on the turf course this year, which could uh, you know could affect it as well. The last time we had we had good ground for this, um, uh, stall twenty beat stall two, so mm. beat twenty one beat four. So you know take a choice. I mean, I, I suppose what you what you one view you can take is that it will suit either wing. Um, yeah. And I've obviously gone for something coming up the middle in the um, uh, in the, um, the the spring mile. But I think obviously if you've got if you've got early pace, um, it helps you to uh, to pick where you want to go uh, to some degree. There has also been this you. very weird trend about horses running in headgear in the race, but that got blown away last year by Godolphin. So let's discard that, shall we? So who have you come down on then, Rory? My main hope in this uh, again, I, I, I don't know the benefit of the draw when I looked at this the first place. Uh, Grove Ferry is drawn stall twelve, so it's, you know he's he's in the middle, but he's a horse. Who, I, he was a, he, I thought he was miles better than the result at, uh, at Lingfield um, last time out. It wasn't much of a race. Uh, he made all the running, uh, was joined, and then and then went on again uh, later on to win by a length. It's not it's not easy for him to get a handle on. It got him a five pound penalty as well for this, which you can argue is um, is not ideal, but it, it ensured that he got in the race. He'd have got in without the penalty anyway, as it turns out. Um, Ironically enough, but it would it would have been a very close um, very close shot. Um, I just think there might be improvement in, in Grove Ferry this season. Uh, again, he was a solid handicapper last year. His best effort came at this track, uh, one beaten half a length of a mark of ninety two um, on uh, on softish ground in October. But he's got form on, on a quicker surface as well. Just thought he was um, uh, progressive last season. Um, he stays a mile perfectly well. There's there's not an issue of. Uh, he coped with a drop to seven front on soft ground, but I think on, on good ground he'd want a mile. He was a bit slowly away there, but obviously he was he was um, quickly into stride at Lingfield last night with Ryan Moore riding him. Obviously, we've lost Ryan Moore. You got William Carver in the saddle. Um, you can argue that he offsets the five pounds, um, the five pound penalty. I'm not a big fan of that logic. I just think you've got a jockey on board. You're either happy with that jockey, you're not happy with the jockey. Mm. Jockeys are claiming five pound for a reason. But yeah, I think Grove Ferry is, is an interesting performer. I think um, uh, on last season's form, he's got a little bit to find because obviously he was beaten in handicaps off, um, off uh, 92 and 89 uh, last turf season. And now he's racing off 100 because of that five-point penalty. Uh, but I still think he will um, he will progress again. And he's an interesting um, interesting runner here. Can be, you know, there tends to be something lurking in the in the Lincoln um, and, and, and basing your um, assessment on uh, on last season's form is is a dangerous business. 
So you've got to find something you think has got, got um, uh, improvement um, in them off the, uh, off the weights. And he definitely does, although there's clearly another another four or five in the race who've got some, uh, you know, similar chances of improving. Um, Brentford Hope's an interesting one. He's got he's got stall three, so he's drawn uh, near the uh, the far rail of that ends up being advantageous. Um, Richard Hughes has always thought the world of Brentford Hope, and it's taken him taken them a while to work out what he is. He made a, he made a winning time over a mile and a quarter at Newmarket, where he won on the bridle. He was then beaten favourite in his next three starts, up to a mile and a half last season. Um, traveling well, but not finding much off the bridle, and then he um, he, he burst back to form, a uh, drop back to a mile in his final start, where he travelled well from the start. On pedigree, he should want at least a mile and a half, um, but it may well be that he he ends up being a minor. But he's interesting, but he's he's not. Um, he needs to prove he's as good on this sort of surface. His form so far has come on soft um, ground, so that, that's a bit of a question for him, given he's he's shortened up in the market and has been for a while. Um, you can make you can make a strong case in handicapping terms for King Autocar on the best of his form, but the question with him is whether you really trust him. He's drawn next door to um, to Brentford Hope um, in stall four, and you've also got a fancy runner in River Nymph in stall two. So if you're looking at sometimes when you look at the draw for races like this, you're you're working out do you have like a pocket of horses drawn close to each other who might be able to help each other through the race, um, and that's quite an interesting one. You get three fancy ones drawn two, three, and four. Um, but um, you know reasons to be positive about them generally, but also um, there are reasons to be slightly negative. River Nymph, I would ab- I would absolutely write off his um, his final start, which is in the Balmoral um, at at, at um, Ascot on Champions Day. That was a, that was an absolute mess of a race, and um, he was heavily supported that day. Um, I would I would absolutely put a line through that. He looked good winning his previous two starts at, at Ascot and Newbury. He's Unproven at a mile. Actually, as I said, he was he was back as if he would definitely stay the trip um, and ask it, but um, didn't get home. Um, but I'm not sure that's. I wouldn't say that's conclusive evidence. I just thought it was a it was a horrible race to judge any horse on. If he does stay the mile, he's very interesting. My gut feeling is that he will turn out to be a seven foot on horse, though. Mm. Um, and um, you know, then we can we can talk about the horses drawn high. Eastern World would be the the, the obvious. Um, Pick of those on paper, John Stall 19. Got the, you know, got the right kind of profile for this. A, a lightly raced Godolphin four-year-old. Um, what's not to like about that? He's, he's going to be well backed as in the Eastern world. Oh, big time. And I, I respect his chances, but I, I think he, he's the type of horse that's going to be too short in the betting for me. Yeah, I would be inclined to agree with you. And Godolphin, I've taken this race twice in the last five years as well, uh, including with the uh, favorite last year. I could seriously go off the link in if it keeps going to um, um, to expensive, um, lightly raced four year olds with with remarkably similar profiles year in year out. Who are now geldings? No longer has the uh, has has the the old appeal that the Lincoln used to have. Mm. Uh, if that's what happens with it, but you know that's that's the nature of the game. If you set it up like that, and and the big yards um, are able to cherry pick. Um, ideal candidates for it, then they're going to. We will have history with John and Thady. Gosden with the new dual license in the UK currently have the second favorite who knows maybe the horse will end up going off favorite in the end I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that Andrew's gonna swing for something here at a price but I I could be entirely wrong born to be live and Dania were the two that stood out to me Uh, at the time I didn't realize that Dania would be such a poignant potential winner of this race but he has won on his juvenile debut his three-year-old debut which happened to be at this track last year bidding to make it first time out victories for the third consecutive season i quite like him and i think even though he's a gelding now i do think that he's capable of group race form but who do you like my man hey, you've slightly stepped on my toes there Emmett. I, I didn't think anyone else was gonna go for dania um <gasps> But uh, no, he, he was the one I came down and I thought. Go he had, on, Andrew! I got. I gotta go do some business. Keep going. <laughs> I thought he had a very uh, likable profile for this. Look, I think the the key with, with Daniel will be how, how he handles the preliminaries. Just once or twice last year when he got beat, he was sweating up before and kind of gave his race away. He's always shaped though, and looking back at his runs, like a, a mass, a kind of a big field handicap could really see this horse to good effect. You know, you could bury him in, get him a lot of cover. I think he's been kind of winning races just through class more than anything else, despite doing a few things wrong. 
as you say, he's got a good record fresh. Uh, he won at the track uh, in June last year over seven furlongs, very, very impressively. He is going up the weights as a result, but uh, you'd like to think that there's still improvement to come and you're getting a double-figure price in comparison to, to those at the top of the market. Like you mentioned, a horse like Brentford Hope. Brentford Hope is always going to look impressive because Jamie Spence is always going to ride him the same way. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it really tells you anything, to be honest. He's always going to win on the bridle if he does win uh, the way he's ridden. So uh, he wouldn't be for me. Look, the ones at the top the top two in the market are both 7-2. to two. I couldn't be touching anything at 7-2 to two, uh, in, in a race like this. Uh, so I, I, I did have Daniel. One also just at, at a massive swing of a price, um, I think you can get as big as 50s, is Dashing Roger uh, for William Stone and PJ McDonald. He's drawn in stall 22. Uh, so right on the stand side. And I just think, looking through his career so far, all-weather racing just doesn't seem to be his game. Um, he's got fairly midland form in all-weather racing, yet was very progressive last year on the turf. He won three starts on the turf. They've had a couple of spins with him on the all-weather where he has been disappointing. You could make the argument that the handicapper has caught up with him at this stage, but he's likely to, to travel handy enough, and I think he could run well and... And if you're getting plenty of places on the day, he's certainly not one to to discount uh, at a much bigger price. But no, it, it would be, I'd be with you, Emmett. I think Dania uh, has a massive chance in this drawn install line, which would be perfect. Uh, a bit like Rory was saying, there's, there's other fancied horses in and around, uh, which is always a, a nice thing to see. He's got the favourite, Hakiki, right beside him. Uh, so I think there's an awful lot going for him and as long as he doesn't lose it in the preliminaries I think he'll go very close and he should be okay because there's no crowd within is it crowd related though? I just I, I think um, people often talk about a horse's behaviour pre-race as if it's a, re- uh, a response to the crowd and I think it, I think it very rarely is it has to be a, a part of it but I think it's quite a small part I think usually it's horses who have quite a lot of temperament about them who are probably okay when they're 80% fit, but when they're, when they're absolutely wind up, they are wind up. And that's why they, they end up behaving, um, you know, as if they're, they're on the cusp um, before big races. Mm. Um, it's, not, it's not necessarily a reaction to the atmosphere. It's a reaction to being very fit. And the and the impact that has on them mentally as well as physically. I didn't note that he took a keen hold in winning last year, and he did sweat up profusely before uh, his penultimate start last season. Before then, beating alternative fact. But um, I think for the first time in the show today, we have agreement. Andrew, virtual high five, social distancing, virtual high five. Um, <laughs> nice. Nicely done. And uh, the other horse that you mentioned is um, from the Stone Yard. Uh, that's Dashing Roger. Yeah. Yeah. He's I think a, he's got a decent chance. He, he, he is a wild prize, though. He's a massive prize. Uh, so some firms are, to be fair, are paying pretty decent figures um, uh, in terms of each way places. They'd want to be. Uh, so you can currently get with most firms five places I'm sure on the day as Rory has drilled into you by now account acquisitions and all that malarkey uh, you might get more although maybe not maybe they're going to hold all that back um, and think well we've done that now at Cheltenham thanks very much and we'll just stick with our stick with our mean all five uh, the Unibet Camage Trophy Stakes is a listed race for six furlong horses so obviously Brando's in here for Kevin Ryan and obviously heads the betting. Uh, just Frank is your second favourite, around about fives. Um, I should just make sure that I'm getting the best prices. Uh, yep, I am. Uh, Summer Jihand, who I really like, 11 to 2. Uh, Emirati Annie, who's got a first time wind up for Kevin Ryan, eights. And Tis Marvelous, sure Tis Marvelous, uh, is tens. Rory? I would favor um the horse that you uh, you refer to as summer g hand um in here what is a g hand anyway so what do you think it is we've disputed this last year and i've forgotten now because we've had the entire jump season i i, I just say summer gand summer gand andrew 
Yeah, I'd have gone summer gand myself. All right, fair enough. Summer gand, summer gand. Fine, fine, fine. It's another one I've mispronounced. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's got a lot in his favour. Um, stiff six furlong suits him. Suits him very well. He's a course and distance winner. Comes here fit um, from from a couple of runs in the old weather where he's been giving the lumps of weight away. Um, he. He's at his best in a reasonably strongly run race. So uh, should get a, I think I get a decent pace. Just Frank will will definitely go forward. Um, and, um, you know, plenty of these can race reasonably handily. I don't know what to make of um, Joya Cheka um, in the contest. Um, but he, um, he made the running over seven furlongs last time. So whether he whether he tries to do the same here um, on pedigree, he's not a sprinter. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what to expect, what to expect of him, but um, just Frank um, tends to be a pretty, um, well, it was last season, a pretty, a pretty um, died in the wool front runner, um, ignoring his, his uh, debut where he, um, where he blew the start. Um, he made the running and, and um, every race after that and ran and, and improved all the way through the season um, until where he was placed and missed the company as final start. So I'd have thought he's going to he's going to, to kick on from stall nine um, and set a strong pace. And he's got strong enough form last season and the prospect of improving that that the others can't afford just to leave him alone. So that should give you the, the, the strong base that Summer can um, needs. Um, and it's just a case of... Um, of, of playing it um, for luck from there. Extraordinary is drawn and stole one. I'd have thought that he, I'd have thought that the best chance he has as well under Kieran Fallon is to get out and get across early. Um, he, he's also got plenty of early too, and I don't think he wants to be stuck on the wing, so he's liable to go forward as well. So I think this race should should play out for um, for Summer Gant, um, who will be played late. So Summer Gant uh, for David Omar, David Nolan. Uh, is there agreement between Rory and Andrew? That's the question. I know I wouldn't put anyone off Summer Gant at all. Um, I'd be again, yet again, trying to take on some at the top here. Um, taking a favourites price on Brando's won one race in the last two and a half years. Or something. It doesn't sound too smart to me personally. Um, I'm going to take an, another one that, that that's coming in off the gelding operation, um, Emirati Anna. I'm going to give him a chance there. Uh, formerly quite classy horse, won the gym crack as a two-year-old at York. Uh, it's been a bit disappointing ever since. He was he was knocking on the door last year in this type of a contest. Uh, the third behind Oxted in a group three looks decent enough form now. Then third in a listed race at Chester Point Judicial. Uh, which wasn't too bad before blowing out behind Batasha at a big price in the Nuntorp. Kevin Ryan's horses are are in pretty good nick now. The last week or two, they're they're hitting. Um, you know, he's starting the the season quite well. He's had had a couple of you know runners do, doing very well in the old weather. A fair few of them are going quite close as well. This horse has been gelded. Hannah's had wind surgery. Um, might be a case where he needs the first run, but. Uh, he's certainly one to keep the right side of, I suspect, this year. He does have a bit of class. And uh, I, I know he's pr- probably not overly massively treated on, on the weights in this. He does have a bit to find. But uh, you're getting an each-way price about him, and I, I think I'd take him uh, in the race. And I'd probably leave the ones at the top of the market. And if they were to win, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, might be one for the reverse exacta, Summer Gand, to the right this time. And Emirati Annie, who they've done everything they can, bar put the headgear on. First time gelding operation, first time wind up. So good luck. Um, but I, I'd be with both of you, and I'll do the reverse forecast. And I'll see you in Dubai. Barbados. We're going for Barbados now. Controversial times that we're living in and all that monarchy. Right. Best bets for the weekend. Rory Zalari. Uh, not not a huge degree of confidence at this stage, but I put up um, Grove Ferry in the Lincoln. You mean um, giving it, giving us a big race? You mean massive degrees of confidence? You can't wait for the race, and you're getting stuck in. Uh, <laughs> no word of caution from Rory, and um, 
Easy to see why, uh, given that um, there's a split decision on the race. Uh, for you, Andrew? Yeah, I'd say the Lincoln as well uh, with, with Dania. And also just, one, just one, that's, one that's completely overpriced, I believe, is press your luck in the uh, 250 at Newbury, the handicap hurdle. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure chatting racing with you lads, uh, particularly as we welcome in the new flat season. And I'm looking forward to it. It's a good weekend's racing. There's something for everybody. If you're a jumps fan, you've got some decent quality racing. If you're a flat fan, you're probably just delighted that it's finally back. And hopefully, most importantly, we found you some gravy because Andrew found a whole heap of gravy on the Cheltenham preview night that I did with him, including doing me out of the boss's Oscar with Mrs. Milner. I did warn you. You warned me on the night and then you WhatsApp me to say, told you. <laughs> which, which, which I really appreciated in the moment, by the way. That was just what I wanted to hear. Ah, super stuff. So I wasn't just told by him, I was told by Jamie Benson as well. Anyway, well done, mate. And uh, it wasn't the only winner. You had a fantastic Cheltenham. As did Mr. Roy DeLarge on the uh, tipping front as well. And horses that Rory put up at the start of the season, the final Furlong podcast, got the job done as well as he expected. Should have so. stopped then, shouldn't I? <laughs> if, you'd ask, if you'd asked me for, for the for Thames winner at the start of the season you might have got Mrs Milner off me as well oh god well, uh, I, managed, I managed to get her beaten three or four times and handicaps prior to that so. well that was the point wasn't it <laughs> allegedly allegedly for all that it was a good Cheltenham and it was a good Cheltenham I'm still sore over the boss of Oscar but anyway we move on to the flat season hard to believe Cheltenham was last week hard to believe the guineas is not far away it's moving pretty fast if you don't stop to take a look around and enjoy it Am I stealing a Ferris Bueller quote? I think I might be. That's it. From Andrew, Rory, and myself, thank you so, so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Review show on Monday. And of course, Kate Tracy will be here. So looking forward to that. And Rory is back with me next Thursday. Review shows of Cheltenham are available for you now. We split them into the same way we did the previews of Cheltenham. So championship review and uh, novices review and there's some really really great content from nick luck in the championship one uh, alongside jamie benson but also from kate uh, from paul and from uh, jamie in the novices division as well and we tried to predict where these horses are all going to end up next season as well and even come up with a potentially well they may not be doing the lucky 63 but i most certainly am doing an anti-boss lucky 63 hey don't judge me sometimes they come off that's it thank you to you for listening Hope you enjoyed it. Be safe. Enjoy the weekend. Let's get the gravy. I'm feeling confident. Take care. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Try Tote today and get a risk-free bet on the pools.